the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke, the fifth chapter. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats. So they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats ashore, they left everything and followed him. The gospel of the Lord. Well, it was 2005 that I got my first opportunity to step into to full-time ministry, and I started serving at a small church out in Minnesota. And I served for about three years trying to help people move forward in their, in their faith journey at that specific church. But after those three years had come to a close, I felt this kind of nudge from God, and I just knew it was time to move on. And so I met with the senior pastor and kind of walked him through what I was feeling and thinking, and I resigned my position and really just stepped into a space where anything could happen. Now, what was so different about this than any other time in my life is I didn't have another job to go to. I didn't have another church to go to. I had really no plans set aside. I was really just taking myself out of that position in, in hopes that God would guide me to some place. And so I began to apply for some positions at churches and things of that nature, but nothing really seemed like a good fit. That was until something really strange presented itself to me, an opportunity to coach college baseball. You see, I had, I had some success in, in not only coaching, but also playing baseball in my past. And so I thought, maybe I'll do this for a little bit of time and see where, where God takes me. And so for two years, I, I took on that role. I coached college baseball. And it sounds glamorous, but it, it really is just like any other job. You have to work hard and work long hours, and you have coworkers. We call them a coaching staff, but it's, it's all the same stuff. And if you've worked at a job, you have coworkers as well. And just like any other coworkers, some are good and some aren't as much. Some really help you in projects, and they're, they're hardworking, and they're intelligent, and they're smart, and, and they just really mesh with you. And some 
are a little bit lazy, maybe not that bright, and you just really hope that you don't get partnered with them in any project whatsoever. Now, the same is true for coaching. Sometimes you have good coaches and sometimes you have bad coaches. But in the typical workplace, if you're selling a product or engaging with customers, the major feedback that you get comes from those customers, right? You can know a coworker isn't that great, but until that feedback really comes up from the customers and goes to the heads of the business, it really doesn't do much. But as soon as that owner, as soon as that manager, as soon as that CEO finds out that their worker really isn't really meshing well with the workers and with not only the workers, but also the clients, they're out the door really, really quick. Well, when you're coaching college baseball, you don't really have clients. You really just have the people that you're working with. You have the players. And in college, you don't even have the parents because they're far off because you recruited their, their sons to play baseball. And so you kind of leave them back at their home state and you bring this kid out into the middle of nowhere to, to play baseball and you give them a scholarship and all those things. So the major feedback that you get in those spaces is from the players. And so after a while, if a, if a coach is really good, you typically heard that. But if a coach was bad, the players would start murmuring and they would start talking. One coach we had was kind of on that bottom spectrum. He, he really wasn't that great, or at least that's how the players perceived him. And so they came to me and said, coach, every time that coach gives me some advice, every time that coach tries to teach me something about baseball, it's in direct opposition from everything I've been taught my whole life. In fact, when I put it into practice, I actually get worse. And then they finally just came out with it and they would say this, we kind of think that guy's an idiot. Now here's the truth. I also thought that, but I could not tell them that. But this is what I told them. I said, here's the reality, guys. As you grow up and as you live life, if you're humble enough and you're good at discerning truth, even somebody that you think is an idiot can teach you a thing or two about life and how to find success. Well, today we're going to step into a piece of history, a section of the Bible, where we're going to see a similar story. We're going to see a guy who was an expert in his field receive some unsolicited advice from somebody who had no business telling him about his profession. But despite that, he's going to receive that advice graciously. And he's actually going to put it into practice. And because of that, he's actually going to have the most success he has ever had his entire life. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 5. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. So Luke begins his, his section of this biography about Christ and he talks about this lake, the lake of Gennesaret. Now you've probably never heard of this lake before, but you've probably heard of the Sea of Galilee. This is the same thing with a different name. It's a freshwater lake about 13 miles by, by eight miles. And during the season of Christ's ministry, he just happens to be walking past it. And he's at this kind of peak of his popularity. So people are coming. They've heard that he's a great teacher, a great communicator. They've heard that he does miracles. And so the curiosity and the intrigue is just building and building and building and building. And so the crowd is there. And what's so beautiful about the crowd when Christ taught is that the crowd really allowed for a space and really allowed for an opportunity for anybody and everybody to hear the word of God. It didn't matter if you were male or female, young or old, rich or poor, Jesus had a place and a space for you to hear God's truth. In fact, there was even believers there and non-believers there. 
There was people there who were on the fence and they weren't really sure about this Jesus. So they wanted to see for themselves. And there was those who were even in complete opposition to Jesus, but he allowed for anyone to be there to hear the word and be transformed by the word and hopefully impacted in an amazing way in their lives. But as he was doing this, he took note of something. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So Jesus sees two boats and he sees the fishermen next to him and they're, they're taking care of their nets, which means their job has been done. At the end of the day, they would clean their nets and they would mend their nets and they would get ready for the next day. See how they would operate is they had these nets that are about 10 to 15 feet in diameter and they would throw them from the shore and pull it back in or they would throw them from their independent boat and pull it back in. Or sometimes they would even run them between two boats and kind of drag it through the water and, and catch fish. But just like nets, sometimes you catch good fish, sometimes you catch bad fish that aren't really that appealing, and sometimes you just get junk. And so they had to do what they had to do at the end of the day. They cleaned it, got all the junk off there, they mended them so they were ready. So their day was done. And this is what happens next. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. You see, like Luke wrote before, the crowds were pressing in on him. So Jesus was looking for an opportunity to better communicate to the crowd so everybody could hear the truth. So he goes to Simon, a fisherman, and says, may I use your boat? Can we push it off a little bit into the water to just create this space so that I won't be speaking directly into bodies and won't muffle my voice? It'll also allow people to, to see me and hear me better. And so Simon obliges and he, and he goes out and he sits down on the boat. Now in that day, this is actually the posture of a teacher. In that day, you actually got to sit down as the teacher and everyone would stand and try to see you. So we have this all backwards. So this morning I'm going to have all, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that, but that's how it was in that day. So Jesus goes out into the boat and he sits down and people are just curious and ready to hear him and to see what he's going to do. And so this is what happens. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. So Jesus finishes up his, his time of sharing God's word and speaking and communicating. And he gives this unsolicited advice to Simon. Now, Simon, this is his job. This is what he does. He is an expert and Jesus, he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He doesn't know anything about fishing. This isn't his job. This isn't what he does with his time. So he gives this advice to Simon. And you can just imagine how this was received. Because no matter what you do for a living, you have some expertise in the field. And you know how irritating it is when somebody comes in and they don't really know much and they're telling you how to do your job, how frustrating that is. So when Simon first hears this, he's probably thinking all the things that we all think when people do this to us. You don't know anything about fishing. You, you don't know what it takes to catch fish. What are you talking about? But this is how he responds. Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. So Simon responds, and he really uses this, this term of respect, which is probably far more gracious than, than I would be, honestly. And he says, Master, I've heard you talking. I, I know you have a certain level of expertise in your field. I know you're a great teacher. You can do some amazing things. People talk about you. 
But when it comes to fishing, this is what's happened. This is the reality we're living in, is we have spent the whole night fishing. We have spent the whole night fishing. And we've cleaned our nets. We mended them. We got all the junk out of there. We've sorted it out. We've cleaned them up. We've dried them off. And we're ready for the next day. In other words, it's time for me to go home. I want to see my family and my friends. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. It's time to go to bed because tomorrow, guess what I get to do? Drag these nets back out again, get my boats out back again, and hopefully catch enough fish to put food on the table and put clothes on my back. But despite that, this is what he says. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. So even though Simon had every reason to say no, he says, well, if you say so, we'll give it a shot. Now, I don't know where he was at emotionally when he said this. I don't know if it was, well, what do I have to lose? Whatever, we'll give it a shot and I'll have to work a little bit longer, but maybe it'll work. Or if it was more of a posture of, I'm the expert, you're not the expert. I'm going to put the nets down and when I pull the nets back, it's going to be empty again And then I'm going to prove to you that I know what I'm actually talking about. But this is what happens. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So Simon, even though he had no reason to go out there, it made no sense whatsoever. He had known the conditions were not primed and ready for fish. He goes out, he takes a chance, he throws down the nets and what happens? They're full. And they're not just full, they're breaking. See, Simon was a a fisherman and his equipment was professional level, which means they were made to withstand the expected weight of a good haul of fish. But despite that, these professionally crafted nets made for this specific purpose began to break because there was more fish than he had ever experienced in his entire life. But not only that, but it affected the boats as well. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. So once again, they get the partners out there because they know this is the greatest haul they've ever had. They bring more boats and more people. And what happens? Not only do the nets break, which are specifically crafted to hold fish and a whole bunch of fish, but the boats which are also crafted for this purpose, professional grade boats begin to sink, which means the nets that were made to fish and the boats that were made to fish were experiencing so much success that they began to sink more success than they have ever experienced. Because if they had more success than this, guess what they would have done? They would have made better nets and they would have had better boats. So this experience is just unbelievable. So this is the response. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And as Luke writes the story, he adds on the secondary name of Simon. He calls him for the first time Simon Peter. Peter would be a name that Jesus would give to Simon. It indicates that in this moment, this was a transformative moment in Simon's life. Something had shifted. You see, what Simon was experiencing and what Simon was seeing is that Jesus was so much more than just a teacher. He was so much more than a gifted communicator. 
See, for the first time, Simon understood that Jesus was God in the flesh. And it shifted how he understood life. It shifted everything. He understood that he wasn't just getting advice from a guy who didn't know anything about fishing. He was getting advice from the person who created fish, who created the world, who created how the world works. Well, there was more people there too. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So not only Simon was impressed with this, not only was was Simon blown away by the quantity of fish and what he was experiencing that was far too big to really comprehend or understand or even really explain away. And even his partners were on board. Even his partners knew this was far beyond normal. This was something supernatural. This was something that they would never experience again. So Simon was there. His brother Andrew was there. James and John were there. And they were just sitting there in awe. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. So Jesus takes this moment when Simon understands who Jesus is and he uses this space and this time in Simon's life to reorient him to what he would do with his life. Reorient him to what is the possibility that life can truly offer. He says, you're not going to fish for fish anymore. That's done. That's in the past. You're going to do something far more valuable than simply putting money in your pocket and putting clothes on your family's back or or feeding your family. You're going to do something with eternal significance. You're going to catch people. You're going to transform hearts and lives and help people understand who I am and what the world really has to offer through Christ, through God, and through that relationship. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. You see, not only was Simon called in that moment, but Andrew joined. Not only Andrew joined, but James joined and John joined. And they would step into a space and a moment where their lives would be radically shifted. In fact, they would take everything they had known, all the expertise that they had had, and shove it in the corner. And they got rid of their boats and their nets and all their potential for earning, everything they had trusted, everything that they had put their faith in, everything that they knew, and they put it over here to do something different, to do something God's way. You see, in this series, we've been working through about three weeks of this with the simple truth that's really been, been guiding the conversation. And that through sacrifice, we have the opportunity as people to say no to something. But we don't just say no to something and sacrifice something. We actually get to get something from it. See, by saying no to something, we create space to be able to say yes to something. And this week, this is what we see in Simon's life. We see something really crucial that all of us should take and put into our lives. We see that through sacrifice, we get to trade pride for success. See, if I was Simon and I I was back in that moment, this is what I would have said. No, I am the expert fisherman. You're not going to come in here and tell me how to do my job. You don't know anything. I am done. I am tired. I am hungry. Everything's packed away. I'm going home. I got to come back tomorrow and do this all over again. 
this is what I do, and this is not what you do. I'm not going to listen to you. But that's not what Simon did. Simon was humble enough to find success. Humble enough to step into the most successful day of his entire life. Not just fiscally, because he brought in the most fish he ever had his entire life. But he found great success by being humble enough to engage with this teacher, to engage with this Jesus. And little did he know that not only would his financial pocketbook for one day be transformed, but his whole life would find the transformation, even in the eternal, that he was seeking his whole life. You see, in our modern day, Jesus isn't going to show up at your business. He's not going to show up at your workplace and give you unsolicited advice. He's not going to come and tell you how to to be a, a doctor or lawyer or teacher or any of these things directly to your face. But he does still speak to us. In fact, in our modern day, we have something amazing. We have the, the words. We have stories like this. We have biographies of Christ written down. The actual words of Christ recorded for us in our Bibles. And not only in the Gospels do we have this recorded, but we have the echoes of his truth all throughout the rest of the New Testament. And even before Jesus walked on the earth, we have the Old Testament, which points towards Christ and starts speaking that truth into our lives. You see, it doesn't even matter where you're at on your spiritual journey. If you have enough humility, if you're willing to actually take a look and be open to the truth of Jesus, to be open to the truth of the Bible, you can let that speak into your life. If you have enough humility, you can actually look at something that maybe you've never believed in before. You've never trusted before. It might even be something that you've been told something else your whole life that it has to work this way. Marriage works this way. Finances work this way. Your job works this way. Your relationships work this way. If you have enough humility, no matter what all the experts have said, no matter what maybe even your church has taught you or the culture has taught you, if you take a look at what Christ has to say, and if you start actually listening and have enough humility to take that into your life, it's amazing what success you will find in every one of those areas. Now, if you're at that space right now and, and you're just early in your journey or you're sitting on the fence right now and you're trying to figure this out, I just encourage you to take a chance. Take a chance. Take Christ's truth. Start putting it into your life and just see what happens. But if you're a Christ follower, if you're one who carries the name of Christ on you, you've been baptized and you've been in church your whole life and, and this is who you are 100%, it's crazy not to walk down this road. It's crazy not to follow in the path of Christ. Because like Simon, once he understood who was speaking to him, who was talking to him, it wasn't just a guy giving him advice. It was the creator of the fish it was the creator of the world. It was the creator of the natural order telling him how to navigate life. It was a no-brainer. He was going to listen to everything that guy had to say. And that's what we should do. See, this is the truth. Jesus walked what we did. He's walked through life just like we have. He's made his way on this earth and then he went to the cross. And then he died and he rose again. And when that happened... It changed everything. And everyone who saw it and everyone who experienced it, they began to see Jesus differently too. And as followers of Christ, this is how we see Jesus. We see Jesus as the creator of the world, the creator of the fish, the creator of relationships, the creator of marriage, the creator of finances, everything. 
when we understand God that way, we take what he has to say. No matter if we don't understand it, no matter if it seems illogical, even if our professor told us something else, maybe our church growing up told us something else, or maybe the culture has been telling us something completely different, we take that truth and with enough humility, we remove our pride and we find the success that God offers, not only in this life, but in the next life. And when we do that, and when we trade pride for success, it's in that moment that we'll experience the power of sacrifice. <laughs>